Hey, it's Ron. Ismail's not doing a funny joke intro this time. You're stuck with me. And you know what that means? A trigger warning. Why do I get to deliver all the trigger warnings and Ismail gets to quote Jack Black and Edward James almost? I don't know. But here we are. Anyway, the film we're covering today, Retablo, touches on some intense themes and includes depictions of homophobia and suicide. We don't go in depth on these aspects in the conversation, but we did want to let you know up front just in case. I do recommend giving it a watch before listening to us talk about it, though. It's free on Canopy. All you need is a library card. If you don't have one, hit up Ismail, and he'll let you borrow his. It's literally the least he can do. Somos Latinos. Hola y bienvenidos a Latinos. My name is Ismael. This is Ron. Hey, what's going on? This is Guti. ¿Qué pasó? ¿Qué pasó, mi gente? And we are Real Latinos covering Latin American cinema. So last week we were cordially invited to the Rankings podcast, where we basically took over and we made our own rankings. We made our rankings on um, basically the top 10 movies that came out in your birth year. So uh, Ron, uh, Guti, and I, uh, we all got our our birth year, so I was 1997, um, we all went to see a couple movies over at the Frida Cinema as part of the Trash Mex Fest. The Trash Mex Festival, um, it was uh, sponsored by the California Humanities Quick Grant. Um, they put on the show there in the Frida Cinema in Santa Ana. Uh, and it was, uh, the, the curators of the, of the festival are um, Armando Hernandez and uh, Michael Aguirre. And... Basically, what we did was we went over there and we watched a couple Santo movies. So, um, the first movie that we caught was um, Santo y Mantequilla Napoles contra la Venganza de la Llorona or something like that. Let me mm-hmm. let me double check. Um, close enough, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's close enough, but uh, it's basically like uh, like these seventies um low budget mexican movies uh starring uh santo santo's a mm-hmm. um as himself as sort yeah, of santo as, as himself. himself as like yeah, a superhero santo has version a fictionalized of himself version of himself yeah superhero mm-hmm. uh he fights crime he fights monsters he mainly fights monsters so uh the two movies that we watched one of them he was fighting la llorona so uh check out our episode on la llorona <laughs> as well um but uh but uh basically he's fighting like um yeah, like they, they give Lairona some backstory in the movie and Lairona comes back and he has to fight her. Uh and then we also saw uh Santo y Blue Demon uh contra Dracula y el hombre lobo, which is uh Santo and, and the Blue Demon versus um Dracula and the Wolfman. And um yeah, man, it was lots wild. Of wolfmen. Yeah, lots of Wolfman. There was a, a lot of Wolfman. Uh Dracula did make a couple of um 
met a couple of vampires along the way. Uh, oh shit! And yeah, Santo, he just goes out there fighting, fighting uh-huh. evil. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, fighting Get, evil. With his... Lots of dudes in leg locks and slamming That's into brick right. walls. And... Yeah, yeah, man, it yeah. was wild. Yeah, there was like <laughs> random, uh, little like, there's like random parts of like actual wrestling in a ring mm-hmm. uh, that yeah, had nothing both, to do with the movies plot. movies started exactly the same. They were just like a wrestling match. Yeah, uh, there was just a wrestling match. Yeah. And then some, like, and then like the, once the wrestling match finishes, uh, both movies also are basically, it's like, it's almost like James Bond getting a mission. Like Santo gets called up by some dudes and they're like, Santo, we need you. Uh, mm-hmm. We need you to, to like, yeah. Do, it was like there are monsters the threatening orphans and like yeah yeah exactly it's like <laughs> yeah. I'll do anything for the orphans you know? yeah. or like, uh, like no, 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 no. <laughs> I don't want your money I just want it for the orphans yeah <laughs> exactly yeah dude it's wild yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, um, but yeah it was like a super fun movies I like the first one more than the second one so I like mm-hmm. uh, too, La Venganza yeah. de la Llorona more than um, Santo Blue de Contra Bracol el Hombre Lobo but anyways um, but yeah it was super cool um, nice uh, before each movie there was like this Santo expert. Uh, the dude's name is David Wiltz, PhD. Uh, this guy is from the University of Maryland, I think, and uh, or at least he's from the state of Maryland for sure. Uh, he flew out he just for the fest too. Flew out just for the fest. Uh, he stopped by. It was his first time in California, and he was just talking all about like Santo and like the background within the movies. Uh, he explained. He's the one that explained to us. Like by the way, these like. Uh, wrestling montages at the beginning or in the middle of the movie, they're kind of just there to remind you that these are wrestlers, but they do not serve the plot whatsoever. <laughs> like, all right. <laughs> yes. Honest, and, um, honest. Yeah, yeah, super honest, uh, but super informative, and it was just really, really fun. Uh, Ron, anything to say about the Trash Mix Fest? No, just, I mean, I had a blast night. The Frida Cinema is is such a cool theater in uh, in, in Santa Ana. Um, they... Mm-hmm. They do a lot of uh, events. They um, like the the artwork. They have a lot of murals like inside. Um, they uh, they're they're just really big on like um, like promoting like more uh, not not quite as mainstream stuff as as some other mm-hmm. theaters. Uh, they just do like there's we were talking. There's a, a Godzilla um, weekend coming up. The Ismail and I were talking about checking out and nice. um, fifteen movies in three days. It's wild, ooh, <laughs> yeah. baby. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's insane. Uh, but and also right now they're doing uh, Pell and Pressburger. Uh, a couple of uh, oh, yeah. they're doing Tales of Hoffman next week. They have the Red Shoes later on this week. Um, today and tomorrow they have Black Narcissus. Yeah, it's pretty cool stuff. Um, so and jealous. the Frida itself is absolutely gorgeous. I've never been to this place. I know Ron and Yoli have gone before. Um, but inside they had this mural of Pedro Infante and of um, Vicente Fernandez, and it is just immaculate. So beautiful. I did not expect like it to be that big. Um, and it was just a, yeah, it was a beautiful theater before the movie started. They were supposed to have a mariachi, but apparently like the city shut it down. And so the mariachi couldn't show up, but they did get like a, a DJ playing uh, Mexican music and it was awesome. It was really great. Yeah. Yeah. Vinegar syndrome was there. They were selling out like some Blu-rays, some uh, DVDs up, up front right before the viewing of the movie. And uh, I was very tempted. I was very tempted to buy it, nice. yes. <laughs> but I, I, I had to stop myself. Um, yeah, it, it was just a, such a fun time. I, I've never been to a movie festival uh, at all, but this movie festival, like, I don't know. It was like, it seemed intimate, but like so well put together. Like there was so much care. You could tell there was a lot of care into what was happening that weekend. And 
I don't know. I just fell in love with it. I, I really, really enjoyed what they did there. Uh, Jackie and I were there and Jackie told me that like, this is one of the like better movie experiences you've taken me to. And I've taken her to see, like I, I took her to go see Lawrence of Arabia, 70 millimeter in, uh, in the Aero theater, but no, this Santo Santos, the, the one that won her heart, you know, we wanted to get some Santos shirts, but there was no, no shirts for sale or anything. But, but, uh, I mean, I, I really enjoyed it. I really had a fun time. It was just a fun movie, you know, and it's, it's like a, a movie that I think that everyone should go and check out. Both of those flicks that we saw are, uh, available on Tubi as well. So if anybody is interested. Both on Tubi and the, the newly restored versions, um, I, I don't know if Vinegar Syndrome is going to, or Indicator is going to uh, release them or anything. But I know that they got remastered, uh, restored and remastered over in the UK. And that festival was actually like the theatrical premiere of those prints. It was pretty cool. So, but yeah, so uh, enough about Santo, which is a really weird thing to say, but <laughs> uh, uh, this week we're going to be covering Retablo, the Peruvian film, our very first Peruvian film on the podcast. Uh, very excited to talk about this movie. Uh, came out in 2017. And it's directed by Alvaro Delgado Aparicio. So, uh, spoilers for this movie. If you do not want to know the spoilers of this movie, please go watch the movie first, then come back and listen to the episode. So, without further ado, Goody, why don't you go ahead and take it away for our historical context for Retablo. Retablo is set in the Andean region of Peru, which has rich cultural traditions and customs that have been shaped by centuries of indigenous and colonial influences. The Andean people have a deep connection to the land and a strong sense of community, which is reflected in their music, art, and religious practices. One of those pieces of art that is central to the story and the title of this film is the Retablo. The Ayacucho-style Retablo we see in this film has its origins in colonial times when Spanish priests traveled across the Andes to evangelize towns in the Peruvian highlands. They used to carry articulated boxes with images of several Catholic saints to make them known to the population. These boxes were called then Cajas de San Marcos, or St. Mark boxes, and were taken as reference by artisans for the creation of the retablos. The making of these art pieces in Peru started in the 1940s using the San Marcos boxes as reference to design scenes with traditionally motivated themes, such as bullfighting, cockfights, traditional dance and parties, rural scenes, as well as agricultural work. The tradition of making cajones San Marcos or retablos is very strong in the mountainous Peruvian region around the city of Ayacucho. In the recent years, the political violence and the fighting between the Peruvian army and the Marxist Sendero Luminoso Shining Path guerrillas around Ayacucho has forced many peasant families in the area to migrate to the capital city of Lima, where they make and sell their crafts commercially. As a response, this has led to many retablos being made around this subject showing the exploitation and mistreatment of the indigenous peoples. Another pertinent theme in Letablo is homophobia. Today, Peru is a country with no same-sex marriage laws, and outside of Lima, there's almost no public discussion discussion of it whatsoever. Though this film addresses this topic head-on, it is still very taboo in Peru, and managed to garner many accolades upon its release, including winning Best Peruvian Film in 2017 at the Festival de Cine de Lima, and was Peru's official entry for Best International Film at the 92nd Academy Awards. What a, what a history this movie's got. Um... Lot to unpack here, whole lot to unpack here. So why don't we get Ron to unpack this movie for us with this synopsis? Ron, go ahead and take it away and give us a synopsis for the movie Retablo. 
again, just a brief trigger warning um, for anyone that might be a little sensitive to uh, to such topics. We do discuss homophobia and suicide briefly. So um, with that out of the way. Segundo is a rural Peruvian boy being mentored by his father, Noe, in the art of making religious dioramas called retablos. The pair travel from village to village, selling their lovingly crafted retablos to markets, churches, and families. Noe is a highly respected member of the community, and Segundo is proud to follow in his father's footsteps. One day, on a trip out to a remote customer, Segundo witnesses Noe performing a sexual act with another man. Stunned, he doesn't know how to react and becomes withdrawn. Segundo stops working and traveling with Noe, and ignores and argues with his mother Anatolia. The seeker eats away Segundo and his feelings manifest into physical violence against himself and those around him. One day, Segundo returns home to find Noe has been badly beaten. When Anatolia sends Segundo to get help, no one will help him. He is told that his father is filthy and deserves what happened to him. Anatolia, feeling betrayed, leaves to live with her mother and tries to convince Segundo to go with her. Segundo remains with Noe, however, and attempts to nurse him back to health. Segundo attempts to sell more retablos, but the locals no longer give their business, and Segundo is bullied by his former friends. Eventually, he returns home to find that Noe has committed suicide. Distraught, Segundo tends to his father's body before leaving their former home for good. Oh gosh, yeah, this is um, it's a it's a lot, it's a lot, guys. So, um, before we get into the major points about this movie, did y'all have y'all seen this movie before? Um, I think this is also uh, the director's Alvaro's um, his first and only movie that he's made mm, so far. Yeah. So he's got one short film that he did before this, yeah. um, which uh, has similar subject matter. Um, I see, but uh, yeah, yeah. Did you did you watch that or, or not? Mm. I tried to find it after watching this, but I couldn't mm. find it anywhere. So mm. I see. And uh, Guti, how about you? Any any relation to this movie or any Peruvian movies? Any Peruvian movies that you've seen? Nope. This is my uh, first dip into the uh, the Peruvian waters, as they say. So uh, wow, wow, wow. Looking, I was looking forward, looking forward to it. I was looking forward to it. Yeah, I think this is my very first time as well. Maybe I'd have to go back and check the logs, but um been meaning to watch like... Uh, a lot more Peruvian movies. I know uh, uh, We Like Pirca, I think, came out this year, last year, that I really wanted to catch. Uh, Made in USA was also another one that um, stars Magali Solier, which is um, uh, the mother in this movie. Um, her name is uh, Aratolia. So, yeah, been meaning to watch more Peruvian movies, so glad that we got this podcast to do it. So... Uh, yeah, let's get into some of the themes that we have about this movie. And the first thing that we'd like to talk about is, uh, that of toxic masculinity. I mean, there's clear, uh, indication about this movie and it's, uh, it's, it basically, it's, it's, it's theme on masculinity, what it means to be a man, what it means, or like what, um, you know, the thing there, there's so much like coded stuff, like, or like underlying stuff, I think, uh, for example, um, when he's talking to his friend, um, when uh, when Noe, oh, digo, when Segundo's talking to his friend, um, I forgot his friend's name, Mardonio or something like that. Uh, mm-hmm. When he's talking to him, 
Mardonia tells him like, oh, why don't you go do like manly work? You know, like instead of uh, uh-huh. uh, uh, painting and stuff. And um, there's lots of scenes of like just a bunch of guys just being really like testosterone up. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. And uh, uh, just a lot of a lot of violence, a lot of just uh, wrestling, a lot of um, uh-huh. yeah, a lot, lot of a lot of masculinity. A lot of, lot of disrespect yeah. towards women. A lot of disrespect <laughs> towards women. You know, um, unfortunately, a classic uh, with uh, toxic masculinity. You know. And uh, yeah, uh, so yeah, I just thought it was extremely interesting how art was kind of a this is like being sort of assigned to gender here, sort of <laughs> like you know, especially towards uh, after his dad gets, um, you know, found out or whatever, and he's <laughs> carrying around the supplies, and the, that group of guys like start bullying him, and he's basically they're calling him derogatory terms just uh-huh. because you know he's into doing this art that his dad is passing down to him right um and i i always i, I thought that was really interesting because i mean i don't know the schools or relationships that you guys have had but i've definitely come across people who believe that in a certain way like if you're a part of like the theater group yeah. or you're a part of yep you know you know you create art for uh mm-hmm. for your hobby or something like that people definitely mm-hmm have like they automatically judge you just because you're into that one thing which for me is never it's just it's just weird i don't know why people do it but it's just something that i think has been established i think it's because it has something to do with like even showing some sort of vulnerability towards liking something you know something that's not just like monster trucks and uh, Mm -hmm. man stuff you know it's like it's really yeah i don't know I think that's what where it stems from, you know. Like it's just that it's it's sad. It's very sad, but I think for for a lot of cultures, actually, particularly in Western society, um, men, boys, however you want to put it, are are kind of taught that like they're not supposed to feel their feelings. Um, yep. You know, like they're supposed to be the strong, silent type, and. So there are certain characteristics, like say athletics or or, or whatever, that, that tend to go along with that. Um, As if. And uh, so doing things like creating things, or you know, heaven forbid, being into like poetry or dancing or or, or something like that, um, which all of those can you know like have, you know, just as 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 quote unquote strong and masculine aspects to them as anything else. Um, but I think you know, yeah, there is a very narrow-minded view that certain things, you know. Um, are assigned to the you know the male gender. Certain things are assigned to the female gender, and there's no real, um, there, there's nothing but those two. I think that's the thing that like that strikes me the most about this movie and and movies like it. It's um, you know you take you take a culture or a society that um, even you know like before you're born decides that these are the boxes that people can fit into. And, you know, you have to, you have to fit into those boxes and, you know, when you don't and, you know, like you try and hide it, you either, you know, if either you, you don't try and hide it, you try and be who you really are and you, you know, you face backlash or, you know, you try and hide it and try and fit into a box that you really don't fit in and, you know, like it, you, you self-destruct from it. Um, yeah. And I, I, I find, you know, stories like that really, really powerful. Yeah. And I, I don't, I don't think it's a, it's not just a society thing. I think it's just like as human beings, a lot, it's a lot easier for people to put others in categories 
just because mm-hmm. it's easier to describe, oh, that person's a jock, that person's a nerd, right? But in reality, mm-hmm. that person, whether it be Christian, Ron, Ismail, whatever, that person is made up of many different characteristics and traits and et cetera, mm-hmm. and et cetera. And unless you get to know them, you won't know who they actually are. So that's why I've never really ascribed to like, this person has to fit in this box. Like every person is unique. Right. Um, and I really love that about this film that it kind of plays with those gender roles and stereotypes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, and speaking on just like, uh, gender roles and stereotypes in general, um, you know, this, this movie does, uh, this is LGBTQ cinema, you know, and, um, there's been like a real, like good and respected rise of this cinema in, in like the past, I don't know, 20, 30 years, I think. Uh, well actually, you know, I'm going to say, I'm going to walk that back probably the last 10 years. Um, a mm. couple like probably 30, 40 years ago, lots of comedies using, um, being gay is just like a joke when in reality, mm-hmm. like the the very true consequences of what happens when you just try to be yourself like it's shown very directly in this film you know like uh-huh. um i mean noe when when like i remember when when i was watching this movie i was unsure whether noe uh to be completely frank with you all i thought that noe was um basically doing that in the car because it was like almost like the the person in the car was telling them like oh well like if we're going to give you a ride you better it's not going to be for free, right. you know? And yeah. that's what I, th- I thought at first. And then um, as the movie went on um, and uh, Segundo doesn't, like, bring it up with uh, his father at all, I was thinking, well, like, it's kind of up in the air. And then obviously it becomes very obvious, you know, when uh-huh. um, he's... At, but but it's also obvious, like, just in terms of, um, like, the way that that Noé, well, Amiel Cayo, the way that, that Noé really... Um, is acting right before we even get to that scene. Like he is very clearly troubled. Like when he gets home mm-hmm. late at night, he's very clearly like when, when they're taking a shower, um, no, he's like really scrubbing, scrubbing hard, mm-hmm. hard, like, like, um, just because of all this, uh, internal, you know, struggle that he has on, or like the, the external, uh, people telling him probably his whole life that people like that people that are gay like are are filth and then you know he's trying right. to like wash that all away and uh, he goes to church with his kid and um mm-hmm. and all the implications that come with that and i just think i don't know this is um absolutely devastating you know just that uh no i just can't be who he wants to be i was gonna say yeah like it's it's great that you know these topics are being talked about especially like you're mentioning 20 30 years ago um like i definitely know like pre-code Hollywood films definitely talked about mm-hmm. the to- like the, the topic. Um, they were just like your very cliche characterizations and a lot of the times mm-hmm. derogatory. So to get cinema that's a little bit more uh, open and is also portraying these characters, you know, not in a stereoty- uh, not in a stereotypical way is, is really get- great to see. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah, and uh, if you want to catch more about this, uh, I mean, and uh, but then again, like I, I think another movie that is very, very tied to this, this uh, to Retablo, uh, very similar in themes, um, is that of uh, Temblores by Jairo Gustavante. Um, it's it's a, uh, it's incredible, and it's just like really, it's it's really 
I don't know. It, it feels horrendous, like the way that people are treated. I I do wish that I had more movies that then they exist, you know, um, uh, that don't take this as like, you know, I, I really hope I, what I'm trying to say is I hope that in the future we get more movies of like, you know, happy lives of this, you know, just because uh-huh. uh, yeah. hopefully in the future or, you know, our societal expectation of like how people are judged, you know, <laughs> Uh, mm-hmm. it ha- t- has changed to the fact that like it's not like the misery hopefully it's not there in the future yeah so, yeah yeah I know it's kind of like uh, we've we've said a couple times like you know as much as we like Latin American representation in particularly you know in in, in mainstream movies it, it does sometimes feel like some of those characters are are reduced like that's that's the only thing about them mm-hmm. you know, like they don't have any other facets to them mm-hmm. um so when you do get characters that are um they're latin american but like that's just kind of like an accepted thing and they're allowed to be like anything you know, a else whole person yeah um and it, it, it it's the same thing for um for any other ethnicity or um for uh you know like lgbtq characters um and I did, I, I try not to like read, you know, like a lot of letterbox reviews um, when we cover these movies and stuff until after we've already had the discussion because mm-hmm. I don't want it to, to color anything. But I did notice one that um, it, it kind of complained that uh, the the movie was was predictable, yeah. um, which I, one, I don't really agree with, but um, I do, I was, I don't want to say I was disappointed with how the ending worked out because uh, um, I do think that it fit the story but I, I yeah I was hoping for something a little bit more optimistic but I mean if if the reality of people's situations is this you know yeah. predictable then you can't fault the the art for reflecting that uh-huh. um, and so I you know yeah I, I don't disagree with any of the choices that were made as as hard as they were to watch sometimes yeah yeah absolutely and I really I really uh, like your point about how you know these characters are not allowed to be like fully fledged just human beings like one of the things another thing that I wanted to talk about here was the artwork that's here like oh my mm-hmm. gosh the art that um, Noe has made like everyone calls him el maestro, el maestro, the master. <laughs> it's because he is. He's amazing. Yeah, like it's incredible. I could not believe what was made. You know, I get that it's a mm-hmm. movie and like it was all. It's it's a story, but in the story, the artwork that they have for this character is absolutely mind-boggling. How great it is! Like, I I love the opening scene when you're just hearing like descriptions of people and you think. I, again, I didn't know what this movie was about either, Ron. So I thought like, well, uh-huh. I don't know. Are they like, is this like an artist? Because uh, I knew that it was about, about a father and a son and how they were making art. That's all I knew. And then I thought like, is one of them like blind or something? Because they have to like, mm. be uh, describing all these characteristics of. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, the opening when it's a, a black screen. Yeah. Just a black screen and a lot of characterizations of like, oh, this person's got this hair and they have this dress and next to them is this other person. Um, and then you have Noe basically covering Segundo's eyes, which again, you know, foreshadowing, he's like literally covering his eyes on like who he truly is, <laughs> crazy stuff. But anyways, um, the artwork that when the reveal of that piece of that retablo, mm-hmm. oh my goodness yeah. gracious, it's so beautiful. Like I just, I don't know, literally, literally as I was watching it, I was like, I would want one of these pieces like in my home yeah, absolutely. anywhere. Like it's so good. Yeah. 
Do you, did you know that um, at the Independent Spirit Awards when this came out, the director presented one to Bong Joon-ho? Oh, no way. Are you well, serious? Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. Let me let me look that up right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I can't believe that. Oh, I just saw it. Oh, that is incredible. Oh, that's so beautiful. I can't believe this. I mean, I got to get one of these. Now I just got to direct <laughs> something like Parasite so I can get it at for, for free. Correct. You know I mean? So, I don't know. Yeah, the, the type yeah, starts now. They're fantastic. Like, um, I'm, as a movie watcher, like, I don't really, like, audibly react to what I'm seeing on screen very, very often. Mm-hmm. Like, even with, even, uh, like, really funny comedies, I very rarely actually laugh out loud, even if I think it's really funny. <laughs> but um, there were a couple times during this movie where I, like, you know, audibly reacted to it yep. and one of the moments was the first time that you see the first retablo and i i think Oof. i was like oh whoa or something like that um yeah they they are really really incredibly crafted and my my hat's off to you know the production designer or whoever it is the art decorator that um you know that, that actually made these yeah guti any anything to add on on the artwork here on retablo no i mean i'm out of uh adjectives to describe it I think you right. guys covered them all. So. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's cool. The yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, uh-huh. it's inspiring. Uh-huh. Yeah, I don't know. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just, I don't know. I think also like the color and the color palette, I think is so beautiful. Like even the the the, uh-huh. the poster, that blue with that red and those purples, it just fits uh-huh. so perfectly. I'm I'm all about that vibe. I love it. Um, so yeah, artwork in this movie, top notch. Uh, great to see. May I please have some? So, uh, I also wanted to talk about how, like, um, this movie is also about like passing a legacy. Because at the very beginning, like, it's very obvious that you know, like, Segundo is being trained to become this artist, uh, like, to be with his father, and also, like, mm-hmm. basically, like, after his father passes, he's gonna be like taking on this this mantle of of the artist. And I think by the end of the movie it becomes much, much more important because now this thing that he has is something that connects him to his father forever. You know, that final uh-huh. retablo of the movie of him and his father just making art is just, I mean, that was heart-wrenching when he, when that scene happens. He puts that retablo with him, uh, with his father to, to bury him. Uh-huh. Um, but I think, like, now him continuing on to make art uh, I like to think that he continues on to make art in another town or village or something, mm-hmm. uh, because, um, well, because because I want to. But anyways, uh, I think mm-hmm. that like now, anytime he makes art, he's always going to be thinking about his father and like all the great times that he had with him. Because mm-hmm. yes, he was confused. Hopefully. Yeah, hopefully, yeah, hopefully. Like he was very confused about the situation. Obviously, he was like very uh-huh. upset because um, because he didn't expect this from his dad. He's also like an adolescent, so he's like. Very, right. uh, you know, emotions are high at all times, mm-hmm. but he had a yeah. grow up. It's a lot to process in any situation in yeah. any society. So, yeah. yeah. So, and he had just had to grow. He has to grow up quick, you know, but like, mm-hmm. I think ultimately, uh, like this passing on of the legacy of his father, I think is ultimately like a positive one for him just because again, the last, the last one that he makes, the, 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 what? the last retablo that he makes, I think is something like. It's signifying that, like, you know, this thing that he does, this thing that he loves to do, um, will always be, like, something that connects him to to his father, who he obviously uh-huh. loved very, very much because, 
ah, oh, man, that scene where he had to choose between his mom and his dad, like, uh-huh. it was heart-wrenching, too, because, like... Yeah. <sighs> so excellently acted, too, the way that the two of them played off each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That she was just freaking out, and he just embraced her. That Yeah, that was, that was such an amazing scene. It was incredible. And I just... So I think, yeah, I think this whole movie is also about, like, this this son, like, wanting to keep his father alive, like, in this in this light, in this, in this connection that he has with him, because uh, he was obviously a master at what he was doing. Um, uh-huh. And, yeah, just passing on that artwork for, for generations to come. That's the way I see it. I don't know if you all have anything to add on um, this uh, this legacy, this artwork legacy that... Uh, Noe and Segundo have. Well, I'll just say, like, I get have having a legacy from from parents or, or grandparents can um, can sometimes be a, a heavy burden, um, even if it's something like you know something beautiful. Because you know, as you as 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 this movie depicts, uh, in my opinion, very well, um, you know, you can you can have something handed down to you that is that is a thing of beauty, but um, as you grow older and you come to know, you know, your parents or whoever as actual people, um, that can, that can complicate your, your feelings towards whatever it is. And I know, um, I, I know people in my personal life that, that have had to deal with things like that, where they have, um, very mixed Mm -hmm. emotions about their upbringings or, um, or their parents or, or whatever. But, um, they also have, um, whether it's a, a business or a home or, or, or a craft or something like that, they've, you know, carried on. And, and I know it's not always, it's not always easy. Um, and so, uh, I, I too, I like to be the optimist and hope that, you know, I mean, I don't know, maybe this kid moves to West Hollywood and, and, Amazing. and makes, you know, <laughs> <laughs> makes retablos for, you know, for, for people in LA and carries on his, his dad's legacy. But, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm the same. I love to be hopeful. Love to be optimistic. But who knows? Who knows what happens afterwards? Let's go ask um Alvaro. But anyways, uh, and the last thing I wanted to touch on was the cinematography. I think it's just absolutely outstanding. I think it's immaculate. Uh-huh. I also wanted to talk about how it basically matches retablos. You know, like opening and closing, going through the windows as if it were mm-hmm. its own retablo. The the final scene, yeah. of course, closing the door. Yeah. Um, sucker for a tracking shot yeah <laughs> yeah and uh <laughs> it's just um i don't know i think it's just very masterfully done i think it's something that maybe during the pre-production process it was kind of like obviously we should be doing these types of uh shots but uh uh-huh. i don't know i just think it's so it's so beautifully done and well executed that uh, i wanted to give it a shout out because um you know retablo, making retablos within the image i think it's i think it's beautiful yeah yeah, especially that that one bit where it was like the festival or celebration or whatever. Yeah, when it's like the what is it, it's like a truck or something like that. Yes, and like there's so there's like the band beautiful. of the dancers and they're like frozen and then all of a sudden they start to move and play mm-hmm. and then they all come out like yeah that that was that was awesome like and that was so well staged and yeah I don't know how many people were in that truck because they just kept on pouring out <laughs> right I just could not believe it they just kept on coming and coming and coming and I thought wow <laughs> like this is. This is great. Yeah, it's it's so so beautiful. Yeah. Going back to that final shot, uh I've definitely seen that shot used multiple times like in in different films. Um the searchers. Either to either to uh yeah, the searchers that's used um 
it's also used in All Quiet on the Western Front. I don't know if you've ever seen the the original. It's in that as well. I'm not, yeah. Um, before they go off to war. Yeah, it's really effective to kind of show you a compare and contrast of like this house used to be filled with so many people, loving family, it was breathing life, and then all of a sudden now all the air has been sucked out of it and there's just nothing uh-huh. left. Um, so I that shot amazing and it's always uh, uh, something that whenever I see it, it being done in films it always has like a really strong emotional effect for me um, yes. especially when you're comparing it to other moments uh, that happened before in the film and Peru's so beautiful too yeah those like, mountains good all, lord yeah and like all the rocks all the um, geological formations like you know when they were walking through the hills yeah like it's such a stunning country absolutely stunning There, we need we need more of these movies on on Real Latino so We'll, we'll get on that. We'll get on that pronto. Uh, or pronto, as I should say. <laughs> but, uh, uh, yeah, so, Ron, why don't you give us... This was your pick, so why don't you go ahead and give us your final thoughts on this movie and uh, maybe start rating, if you got one. Yeah, I think I've, I've pretty much said everything that uh, that I wanted to say about it. I just, I... Like I said, I, I didn't know what I was picking, and this was not the kind of movie that I was expecting. Okay. It was solely based on a poster, I guess. You know, don't judge a movie by its cover, but... Mm. Um, uh yeah i'm i i really dig coming of age films um and uh i really dig stories about fathers and sons i I really dig stories about um marginalized people uh their stories like this get get told fairly often and i don't feel that they're always told very well um i think sometimes they're they they go too too brutal um, or sometimes they go to to saccharin. Uh, I I think the the tone of this um, was was pretty good the whole way through. I thought all the performances were fantastic, um, and uh, yeah, it was it, it was shot beautifully. I don't know um, what the the writer and director's personal life is. I don't know what his personal connection is to the to the subject matter, but um, I I do appreciate how um, how honestly I feel he he depicted it. Um, and also too, like a, a big reason why, you know, we wanted to start this podcast is because I wanted to know more about the cultures in these countries that, you know, I don't really get a lot of, you know, where we're from. Okay. Um, and I felt particularly in the first third of the film, it did a really good job of establishing what the culture is like, um, in this part of Peru. Uh, so I really like that aspect as well. Um, I, I thought it was very very well done i was super invested in it the whole time um i highly recommend it and i'm i'm giving it five stars five stars from ron baby good lord yeah that's incredible yeah i mean um i'm super in line with what you're saying about like um especially about like learning about cultures outside like this is our, our obviously our first peruvian movie but also uh, a movie that's uh, almost entirely in Quechua, you know? Uh, uh, yeah. The the native language there in, in Peru. And there's something that we actually don't really get to see uh, far too often, if at all. Um, I mean, even even in the movies that we've covered here on the podcast so far, uh, of those movies that we've covered, um, very few, if at all, use uh, native languages um, uh-huh. or like Native American languages, I should say. Uh, so like I know that La Llorona incorporates it, but it's not like completely in it. Um, uh-huh. El de la Serpiente was one that definitely used it, and um, I'm just glad that we have another one in the books with the retablo. So, yeah, 
yeah, totally cosign. Guti, how about you? Final thoughts and your rating for this movie. Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, Ron and, and you guys have pretty much touched upon everything that I've really liked about the film. Um, I really like the fact that even though it is a tragic story, um, and I would love to see uh, more LGBTQ uh, films that uh, have a happier ending, um, I think it was refreshing to not have like some sort of stereotypical portrayal of someone uh-huh. from that community in a film like this, especially uh, with where it's being shot and where it's from. Um, and I, uh, another thing that I, that I really, um, wanted to touch upon that I had forgotten while we were talking about it is also, I like the fact that it shows how, um, Segundo is kind of dealing with his loss and grief by making that a uh-huh. double, right? And I uh-huh. think that's so, so important that I know, I know myself, like whenever, like, you know, I draw or, you know, I'm watching a movie, I'm kind of finding ways to cope with stuff that's happening in my life. Um, and so I thought that that was really um, pertinent. And I really love the fact that the director showed that cinematography is really good. Like we just mentioned. Um, and for me, I think, you know, Peru is in my gr- good graces. It's in my good graces with this film. <laughs> yeah. um, and I think I'm going to go with four stars, four stars from Guti for the Retauro. Um, yeah. I mean, uh, so for me, I think, um, I mean, I really, really like this movie. Uh, last things that I wanted to talk about, uh, I, it was a very loving and supporting father-son relationship, you know, um, up until, you know, the point where the catalyst where, um, Segundo does feel like betrayed and confused about the situation, but everything Uh before that, it's just so beautiful, you know, so loving, um, when they're making the figurines and, uh, his dad's like grabbing his hands and like rubbing on them to make sure like, like. You know, he's got he's like he's got the texture right or anything, but um, I don't know. It's just like very, like there's so much love in this movie, and uh, I just really really enjoyed that. And but I also feel like really bad for everyone in the situation, uh, specifically uh-huh. when um, in that in that scene where Segundo has to choose between his fa- his mom and his dad, because like uh-huh. his dad obviously like you feel bad for him because you know living his whole life, you know trying to keep it a secret and on top of that when the secret's out like the you know the way that he's treated but then uh-huh. his mother who um like absolutely depends on the work that they do to to uh to survive and um uh she you know she she's been cheated on you know whether like uh-huh. no matter who it was with she she got cheated on and um uh she feels lied to and she wants to leave um, and then the son, you know, Segundo being in the middle of that whole situation, um, loving his father so much and knowing that like without him, he's going to have nobody, um, while at least his mom has her mom. So it's just, uh, it's just so it's horrendous. Like it's really, it really does feel bad. Uh, I really do feel bad for, for, for everyone in this situation. So yeah. Uh-huh. And, uh, yeah, I, I think, um, I do think that it would have been really interesting to see like uh what this like what this situation would have played like for maybe a community that's close by that may not have been as affected by Christianity and seeing mm-hmm. like what the what the reactions would have been there, you know, uh because obviously, you know, colonialism, genocide 
all that bad stuff. Um, really going in on this whole movie uh, and really like ingraining its ideals and values into these people. But like, what about any other community there that was not as heavily influenced by um, Christianity, even if there, if there is one at all, you know, if there's one at all. And it would have been really interesting to see like that comparison of like uh, what, uh, what these two communities would have um, reacted to the situation for. Um, and it might have been the same. Who knows? I mean, I, I definitely do not, um, do not know enough uh, about, about the culture there in the, in the Andes. So uh, ultimately I'm giving this movie, uh, I'm between like four and four and a half stars. I really like this movie. Uh, I thought it was really well done. Um, the pacing was slow at times, but still uh, nothing too bad whatsoever. So, yeah. Uh, overall, everyone's everyone's having a good time. Everyone's having a good, well, a bad time, <laughs> but you know, a good a good experience with Retauro. So. Having a good time, having a yeah, bad time. Exactly, yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. My favorite kind of movie. Yeah, yeah, that's that's right up in Ron's bag. Now I know why he chose it. Um, mm-hmm. but, uh, um <laughs> so I don't think we have anything to uh, any correspondence for this week. Um, but next week. Uh, I would usually say that we're covering a movie, but actually we're not covering a movie. And we're not even taking a break either. I mean, the boys are taking a break, but we're going to have <laughs> Real Latinas next week. Real Latinas with um, Yoli from the Spaghetti and Freddy podcast and um, Ev, Ev over from the VHS Village. They will be teaming from up. From our voicemails. From our voicemails. Yeah, yeah, from our voicemails. Um, <laughs> you, you've heard her on the show before. Uh, but they are going to be covering... I mean, one of the best movies ever made, you know. Uh, I don't want to. I don't want to hype it up too much, but um, 2018's Roma, directed by Alfonso Cuarón. It's uh, real Latinas, real Latinas takeover of this movie. Um, I think that they're going to be a whole lot more well equipped to talk about the themes in that movie than we are. You know, a bunch of guys, a bunch of dudes, uh, a bunch of guys being dudes. You know, um, uh. It's just, um, yeah, and we're really excited to hear their thoughts on it. Um, uh, and I guess since since I'm not going to be talking about it, I just want everyone to know that I think it's a five star banger, and I really can't wait to hear <laughs> what um, I can't hear to wait to I can't wait to hear what uh, Yoli and Ev have got in store for us for next week. Um, so uh, I hope everyone's having a great time. Uh, Ron, where can people find you on the internet? Litterbox.com/slash Ron Jimenez. Guti, how about you? Uh, same place, but at CG Reviews. And you can find me on Letterboxd with my initials IVM. That's I, V as in videos, M as in movies. So please go ahead and give us all a follow. And we hope that you enjoyed our episode on Retablo. We will see you next week. Oh, sorry. We will see you next time on our episode for Roma, the real Latinas takeover. Adios. 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 Real Latinos is a podcast written, produced, and hosted by Christian Gutierrez, Ron Jimenez, and Ismael Villarreal. Mixed and edited by Ron Jimenez. Artwork provided by Lisbeth Jimenez, Ron Jimenez, and Ismael Villarreal. Original music provided by Torre Muchas gracias y hasta la próxima.